0: to the Bald faced Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. With the seventh
1: pick in the 2022 NBA Draft, the Portland Trailblazers select Shaden Sharp, from London, Ontario, and the University of Kentucky. Shaden Sharp is the pick. Uh, Joe Cronin, general manager of the Blazers, his first draft day as the GM. Sean Hyken uh, covers the Blazers, uh, Rose Garden Report. Uh, if you don't subscribe to it already, you should. Hiken joining us now. Joe Cronin, uh, what did, what'd you make of his first GM appearance on draft day?
0: The appearance itself, I mean, there's not really so much we can take from it as far as, like, the, addressing all the greater uh, moves that he's made because, you know, the, the the Jeremy Grant trade hasn't been made officially yet, so he couldn't talk about it, so he sort of had to talk around all that stuff. I kind of had the same takeaway that you did right away, that uh, you and I, I think, both kind of had the same point that in the columns that we respectively wrote, uh, that he started off by thanking his front office members all by name he went down the line like eight or ten people and you know that's a little bit of a change of pace from the last guy who i don't think ever gave credit or acknowledged anybody else in the organization so there is so there's that but i don't know i mean i I i think he explained the process behind the picking shade and sharp and just saying that they you know they even though he had not played at kentucky that they saw enough with you know the other intel that they had and the high school film that they had on, on him and what have you, that they thought the upside was high enough that it was worth taking a swing there. So we'll see what they do the rest of the offseason as far as building the rest of the roster out now.
1: Yeah, I, I like that too because it, it showed me, look, maybe because he's an intern, he came up through the ranks, he understands that there are a lot of people that go into a draft day decision from video coordinators to uh, to the the people working, at, working out players during the workouts uh, to to his staff, how did his immediate staff, and in particular the new hires, factor in picking Shaden Sharp in your mind?
0: Well, from what I've heard, there was it was actually not a total consensus in the room. Like It wasn't every single person in the front office was 100% sold that it was Shaden. There were some people who really liked Dyson Daniels, the kid from Australia who played for the G League night last year. Those were kind of the two guys that they were considering in that spot ultimately they decided to go with sharp i do know that and i talked about this before i've written it in the last couple of days that mike schmitz who they just hired as an assistant gm and was a draft analyst for espn for a number of years before that has been very well known to you know it based on you know when he was still working for espn you know during this whole season of like draft coverage and college coverage and whatever uh he was really uh you know, he was really, really high on Sharp, and if you're Portland, like this, because I know they're trying to win now with Dame, and that's the uh, you know that's, that's their number one objective. But if you're going to keep the pick, and from from what I was from what I understand, like they did go pretty hard after O.D. and Og and a couple other guys, that just the asking price from Toronto was just higher than I think they were willing to do with you know stuff besides the number seven pick. But if you decide yeah, there's no trade that you love and you're going to keep the pick. They are not in a position, I think, as far as the amount of talent that they have on the roster, where they can afford really to not take whoever they think is the most talented guy on the board and focus too much on on fit. Because they still, you know, outside of Dame and Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic, there's still a lot of unproven, you know, their their roster, like Josh Hart is a solid veteran, and Nasir Little, when he can stay healthy, showed some stuff last year, but they're still in a position where they just need more talent. And so they went with the approach of we're going to take who we think is the most talented guy on the board, even if it takes a couple of years to develop. And I think there's plenty of wisdom to that.
1: I liked it. And I and I thought, you know, this, this, this isn't necessarily a move for next year, but it's the right move to make. I know that they involved Damian Lillard in the workouts. They're listening to him. They're talking with him. I know they're saying all the right things, but – are they, just, are they involving Lillard, really, in your mind, Sean? Or is this just kind of what you do with a star player? You let him feel involved with the process, but ultimately Joe Cronin and his staff have to live or die with this pick?
0: Well, Dane physically was not in the room with them last night during the draft. I asked Joe about that at the press conference. They said that Dane wasn't. But I've been going to these draft workouts for a few weeks now, and Dame, with the exception of that couple of days when he went to australia to watch that boxing match that he was like on tv watching with the exception of that he's been there for all of these draft workouts and he's been you know going back to you know i was at every game this past season and going back to basically as soon as the front office changes that happened back in december pretty much before every game obviously dame took a little bit of time away from the team after he had his surgery in january but other than that pretty much every single game and every single practice that I went to all season you would see him and Joe Cronin sitting together on the bench talking for like 35 or 40 minutes 45 minutes whatever at a time and that's like visibly in front of reporters and in public like those guys talk all the time and those guys are like having in-depth conversations pretty much all the time as far as that what's even visible so I don't doubt that Dane's input was you know, you know they, they asked for his input and I know you know you saw with the other move that they made Jeremy Grant we know for a fact that's a guy that Dane has a relationship with and played with him on the Olympic team last summer and a guy that he really wanted them to trade for at the deadline and then they were able to so they are consulting with him, but ultimately you know you're, you're the GM your, your job is to do what's best for the franchise and which the deals that they had in front of them, if they wanted to, you know, I think they felt like whatever Toronto was asking for OG and Adobe was an overpay, and I think that would have probably been Dean's preference to say, you know, let's just go all in and push all the chips in and maybe if we have to overpay for a veteran, like let's let's do that. But I think they felt like we got at least one quality starter win now guy with Jeremy Grant. We didn't really have to give that much up. And so now, you know, because we did that, we've at least done something there, and so now we can flip the difference where if we don't love any of these trades are on the board, we can say well we have this draft pick let's just take a swing and you know try to get the highest upside guy there is so that in a few years I mean I'm not even talking about Dane necessarily wanting to be traded because I think that I I don't think that's going to happen I think if that was going to happen it would have happened last summer I think he's going to retire in Portland ultimately but he's 32 and you know he's not going to be this level of player forever and so as he is declining over the next few years you know Pope They're hoping that it's not, you know, anytime soon, but that's going to happen as he gets into his mid-30s. Their hope is that now you have this, you know, you have Simon, who's still really young, and then you're going to have Shaden Sharp, who they're hoping is going to kind of have a similar trajectory and be ready to really step into that role in a few years like Simon has.
1: Sean Hyken with us, Rose Garden Report. It's his new venture. He has launched it. He's reporting on the team on a daily basis, also with Bleacher Report. Uh, You've covered the league for a long time, Sean. There are there are a lot of ways to build teams. How is Portland different than other markets when it comes to kind of the strategy of building a winner?
0: Well, there are I mean I mean it's it, it, it is obviously true. It is Portland is not LA or Miami or any of these markets where free agents are gonna be lining up to go. When you're but when, you know, when you're in a small market, you have to be the kind of organization that does things the right way and treats people well and that, you know, you know, if you have a guy like Dane, you have to, you know, treat him well enough to give him enough to make him feel like, Hey, I don't want to leave. Like, for example, you know, Oklahoma city is a market that and I know Durant ultimately ended up leaving, you know, for other reasons, but you know, Oklahoma city is also a city and you know, it's a my, in my opinion, a much less desirable city than Portland, but that's a place nobody wants to sign. But you talk to anybody who's ever played there and all they will ever tell you is how well they were treated, and how Sam Presti is honest with you, and it's a good organization, and they have a good player development staff, and all that other stuff is there. That just the disadvantage they have as a city. I think Portland now with this new front office, I think they're trying to build a similar thing where, and you you know you see with you know how involved Dame has been now, and how involved Chauncey Billups has been, and how involved you know a lot of different other people in the organization are now. I think the thing that they're going to try to sell now, and you know whether it be to free agents or for guys who, like, I think it's I think it's really uh, you know encouraging that Jeremy Grant, you know, when he wanted to be traded from Detroit, Portland was his first choice because he wanted to come play with Damon. He felt like it was a good situation, from what I understand. OG and people, who are you know Clutch Sports, which is one of the most influential agencies that there is. They wanted when they were trying to get him out of Toronto, they really it didn't end up happening. At least as of now, but they really wanted him to come to Portland to play with game, we're now starting to see, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're starting to kind of turn it around as far as like now this is an organization that maybe people want to come play for and, you know, want to you know sign with, even though it's not LA or Miami or any of those cities that you would normally see like create, agents really wanting to go to.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think too, if you're Joe Cronin, you know, one of the advantages uh, that you have is you've been here and I keep coming back to him as an intern you know, he's not new. I remember when Neil Olshay came in, it was like, oh, we're going to have a great summer, whatnot. It took him like three summers before he was like, you know, uh, Portland, you know, it's 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 a tough place to get free. And like he finally acknowledged it's a tough place to get free agents to come to. I think Joe Cronin knows that. And I think that's why, you know, trade and draft become sort of the, uh, the, the you know, the primary sources there. He alluded to that at the end of his news conference. He sort of said, look um, – the mission now is the roster has to get better, we're going to look for upgrades. When he said that, Sean, where does your mind go? Where do they need upgrades right now?
0: They still need, well, they're going to need a backup center. I'm assuming that Nurkic is going to be back. I haven't heard anything that would suggest that he's not. I think that's going to get done pretty quickly. They still need a backup center. They tried to, you know, over the last few years, they've cycled different guys in and out of that spot. It was Ennis Kanter at one point, and then last year it was Cody Zeller, and then he got... And they, they they need to, you know, fill that spot. And, you know, I think Mo Bamba might be somebody that they look at as a free agent now who, you know, has been with Orlando. And, they, you know, that's a guy they might look at, Mitchell Robinson, if he doesn't re-sign with the Knicks. Like, there, there are guys out there that you can go after. So that's one spot. And, I, I mean, you saw just from, A, trading for Jeremy Grant and, B, who they drafted, it seems like what they're trying to prioritize now. They have Dane, they have Simon, so they kind of have the undersized guards who score a lot thing kind of figured out. They're kind of trying to surround those guys with bigger wings and front court guys and guys who can switch different positions and defend different positions. And they know that, like, that backcourt defensively is always going to sort of be limited. And so they, what they need to do and I, what it looks like they're so far trying to do is surround those guys with guys who can cover up a lot of those weaknesses. So that's kind of the direction I would expect them to go.
1: He, he mentions free agency, but I really heard from him that there could be trades here. What is he going to use asset-wise to get better?
0: Well, they had that big trade exception that's for twenty-one million, I think, which is which they they use that on the Jeremy Grant deal. They still have uh, they sell a little bit of a small. I think it's like ten, twelve million trade exception from the Robert Covington trade that they can use, and then they also have. Uh, the, you know, the Eric Bledsoe's contract, which is uh, for about $19 million, but they actually have I, – I had thought, and I checked on this last night, I had thought that they would have to make a decision about whether to waive him or to keep him by June 30th in order for that contract to become fully guaranteed or not guaranteed. It turns out he's not – that contract is not even fully guaranteed until July 10th. So they could go into the free agency period and still have that to use as something where – if a team is trying to unload money, they can say, "Hey, you know, you, you you take this Eric Bledsoe contract. You can waive it, save some of that money, and we'll take back 20 million in salaries." So they still have pieces that they can use. Obviously, using this trade exception on Jeremy Grant means that they're not going to be a cap space team. Then they have the mid-level exception, which is about 10 million, which they can use for you know signing a free agent. That might be where they go with the backup center money. So they have ways to improve the team. I think that you know, not using the number seven pick in a trade is not, you know, now they don't have no assets. It certainly limits the ceiling of the kind of guys that they would be able to get, but uh, it's, you know, they, they, they have ways to go. It's just a matter of how, what are they going to be able to pull off and what are they going to be able to actually get done. The,
1: the I don't want to talk about last year's team, because I think it's a bad comparison with the injuries, but uh, you know, I want to know, can they get back to being fun and entertaining And I don't mean can they win a playoff series, but Sean, if you or I are in the arena, are we going to enjoy watching this team play next year, or what needs to happen for them to get there?
0: Well, I think as long as Dame stays healthy and is you know is totally past this AB injury and is back to the guy that he was before the AB thing started slowing him down to the point that he needed surgery. If you have Dame, like we've seen this over however many like it's what eight years before this last. season where they tank where it was you know they made the playoffs eight years in a row and like dame is good enough that as long as you have dame there's only so bad that you can be like at the very least having him is going to make you in the running to be a playoff team and so now you know with anthony simons kind of coming into his own and you know being you know a solid starter and then if the jeremy grant thing works out i have i mean it's possible but like i i don't want to really we haven't seen what they're going to do as far as the rest of the offseason or what any of these other teams in the west is going to do so i don't really want to project like where they might be in the West. But I think as long as Dane is healthy, they're going to be a much more enjoyable team to watch than last year's team.
1: Do you have a sense on that? Like, can Next time you see him, can you say, hey, can we get some crunches? Like, We need to see this guy. We need to know that the abs are okay.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that will be. Uh, I mean, Dane has not talked to local media here since like a week after he had his surgery in January. He's done a couple of interviews. You know, one-on-one, like he was on Draymond Green's podcast. He, was on, he did an interview with Chris Haynes at Yahoo at one point. So he hasn't really done a lot of media since the surgery, so that's definitely on the list to ask him. But I do know that, you know, when we did talk to him right after the surgery, he said that uh, somebody who had the same surgery a number of years ago was Drew Holiday. And he talked about how all throughout the Olympics, uh, when they were playing together on, on Team USA, Drew kind of saw, you know, how he was struggling and just kept telling him every day, like, dude, don't, dude just go get the surgery done. You, know, if you have to take a whole year off to do it, you know, do it. But you're going to, you know, it's going to be a good thing for you to do it in the long term. And then, you know, Dane, you know, was putting it off and putting it off and putting it off because he didn't want to mess up his season and he had his wedding planned already. So then he finally did it. And he said, the thing that I think if you're a Blazer fan, you should be really excited by is the last, One of the last interviews he did, which was on Draymond Green's podcast in like, I think it was like February or March or something like that, Uh, he said that like when people see how good he is this coming season, they're going to realize how hurt he's been the last couple of years, which any athlete who has a major surgery and is coming back, they're always going to say something like that. But if that's true, then, you know, they could be right back in the playoffs.
1: Sean Hyken, Rose Garden Report. Read him there. Follow him on Twitter. Hear him on this show occasionally, Sean. I appreciate your expertise and your time. Uh, look forward to talking to you again.
0: Good to talk to you, John. Always
1: fantastic stuff from hiking. That's why I, that's why I bring him on here, right? Like I'm not just going to fill time with anybody. I want somebody who knows what the hell's going on. Love the insight. Love the analysis. We'll pivot next, though, towards college football. There are some teams in the Pac-12 conference that are having trouble selling tickets this season. Season ticket sales are soft in some places, including some places in our state. Why? We'll talk about it next.
0: Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
1: I got a question for you. If you're a Duck fan, Beaver fan... You're a Washington fan, Washington State fan, UCLA, USC, whatever team you root for. What's going on with season ticket sales in your household? See, the Beavers are different because the Beavers only have 26,407 seats next season at Research Stadium because of the construction project going on. So uh, they're impacted. They're having a hard time accommodating students And season ticket holders like Oregon State, uh, for the first time in recent memory, they don't have kind of a real push for season ticket packages in football. They'll sell you some season—I mean, some single game tickets. University of Oregon uh, season tickets uh, are soft, per a source telling me that they uh, are—they're pushing the season ticket sales. Uh, They're still—they still have a robust season ticket core base, but it's a little soft and i'm wondering why what's your theory on why the season ticket sales at oregon are soft 503-417-7575 if you're somebody who had season tickets but doesn't anymore i want to hear from you if you're somebody who's considering it but on the fence i want to hear from you i want to i want to crowdsource this a little bit like only you can answer this question you are uniquely qualified uh to tell me why it is you are lukewarm or maybe maybe cold, with the idea of buying season tickets to see Oregon football next year. Um, I'm, I'm excited about the program and Dan Lanning's arrival and whatnot, but I understand, like, you know, is it a financial thing? Is it that, you know, you can probably get on StubHub and get tickets to a game you want? Is it that they don't have the annual rivalry game with Oregon State at home this year? It's at Research Stadium. Is it uh, that you're exhausted a little bit from the turnover from Helfrich to Taggart to Cristobal now to Lanning? Is it, you know, do you have a little exhaustion there? Is it that the team's not picked to win the Pac-12 this year? So you're going, hey, this is a year I take off, do something else. I'm not saying there's a crisis going on with season tickets because there's not, but I noticed that Oregon's pushing it a little bit, and so I started asking people about season ticket sales, and they're saying, yeah, You know, they've got tickets available at Oregon. Uh, And I can remember some other years where there weren't very many tickets available. I want to hear from you. We'll uh, we'll take your phone calls after the break. 503-417-7575. Answer for your household and yourself. Are you somebody who was on the fence and didn't buy the tickets yet? Have you already bought them, but it was a tougher decision than most years? Help me understand what is going on with the fan base is it kickoff times is it uh is it just hey you know the, the cost of tickets these days is it the gas i don't know talk to me that's what i'm saying talk to me ghost 503-417-7575 your phone call's coming up next